There's nothing like this church family, right? Families rejoice together, families grieve together, families go through the highs and the lows of life, and that's the joy of membership, is being a part of a group of people that go through whatever life throws at us, and over the last couple weeks, uh, life has thrown multiple things at us. We've had joys with Bill III's uh, a daughter being born, Natasha and Bill had a daughter, Natal- or Adeline Grace was born uh, on the 4th, Celebration. Yesterday, I was able to be involved with uh, David and Christine as they rededicated their vows to the Lord. Celebration. But this, all, this week, we also had tremendous grief as we lost Mark Sangree, longtime elder of our church, great leader, was influential in many ways over decades of ministry here at the church, uh, most recently the chairman of the, ch- of the school board. Uh, family is grieving, obviously, in shock. And uh, we don't know any details as far as services or memorials, but certainly know if you don't know the Sangri family or if you do, they've been surrounded with so much love, uh, being with them Friday night, watching their group gather, watching individuals just come throughout the evening to pray, to hug, to hold, to cry, to weep. Uh, It was an incredible picture of what the church body is supposed to be. And so continue praying for, for Lisa and for Kara and for Tess and for Hayden and for their spouses, for the family as they uh, make sense of this uh, shocking news. Uh, but we continue praying for peace. God is a God of uh, surprising peace. And no doubt that God can provide peace and wisdom for them during this time. But I know they would covet your prayers. So we turn to the word this morning. Let's go to prayer for them and for our time in the word today. Father in heaven, we, um, we know that you are an unchanging God. We know that we can stand on you so that even when things around us are moving and shifting and surprising us, we know that you are a constant. And, and in the midst of this time of loss and joy, I pray that you would be our constant. I pray that you surround the Sangree family with your presence. I pray that it would be particularly manifested in friends and family members and other brothers and sisters in Christ that can support and lift them up during these days. I pray that you would give us your peace and your wisdom that we might understand and know why these things happen. God, we trust that it will work out in the end for your glory, and we just, we don't see it, but we trust it. So I pray that you would go, through, go forward ahead of us in this. And Lord, as we turn our minds to the word today, we know that it is living and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. We trust that it is the source of truth for our lives. As we look at the examples of Jesus, as the, at the teaching of Jesus, we trust that you are giving us an example of how we ought to live, and I pray that you would change us, that we might be more like him, so that as we go from this place today, we would not be the same as when we came in. And uh, we entrust this time to you, ask for your glory in our time, and we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 14 this morning. If you want to start moving in that direction, that uh, will get you where you need to be. During the month of October, we've been committed to a series called Seek First, where we are really pressing all of the members of our congregation and those who are with us online to be people who are generous. We've used the title Radical Generosity 
And we've applied that to several different parts of our lives. We've looked at radical generosity with regards to God's mercy. We've looked at radical generosity with regards to relationships. This morning, we're going to look at radical generosity with regards to hospitality. Now, I grew up in the 80s, so radical was a really cool word for the hip kids. And it usually meant something like awesome or sweet or stellar or, if you're older than I am, cool or tubular or something along those lines. Radical was kind of this word. Now we kind of take this and make it kind of like a rebellious word. I want to kind of reclaim the old radical type, uh, this is a way cool thing. We want generosity to be way cool in our lives. We want people to be looking at us and being surprised by the level of generosity with which we live. And we're going to look at it this morning within the context of hospitality in particular, but just so we can put our minds together, I want to look at a couple definitions here. First, generosity. And as I was looking at generosity this week, these words were jumping out at me. Liberality, willingness, kindness, and abundance. Liberality, willingness, kindness, and abundance. So a sense of generosity is a willingness to be abundantly kind to others. That's what a spirit of generosity is. Now, oftentimes we think, well, we need, to, we need to show acts of generosity. We need to give. We need to sacrifice. We need to do these things that are visible on the outside. What I want us to press to is having a heart of generosity, a heart that is willing to be liberal in kindness, a heart that is willing to be abundant in giving. Hospitality is the second thing we're going to be looking at. And hospitality is defined as a cordial and generous reception of or disposition towards others. I like that word disposition. And you're going to hear me say it a lot this morning because what I want in my heart is a generous disposition towards others. I want to go through my day willing and ready and able to abundantly help and give of myself in unusual ways for the people around me and for the glory of God. We're going to look at that, particularly with regards to hospitality this morning. Now, some of you may kind of cringe at the idea of hospitality because you're immediately thinking of Martha Stewart uh, or Chip and Joanna Gaines. You're thinking of Magnolia. You're wanting to go to Texas right now. We're all very excited about these hospitable terms where there's this massive dinner party and everything's uh, delicately decorated and everybody's just happy and jovial. And you say, that's, that's for those people out there that are gifted in hospitality. But let me share a harsh truth with all of us this morning. Hospitality is not a gift. It's a command. Hospitality is commanded by God. In 1 Peter, Peter writes, uh, show hospitality to one another. How? It's on the screen. Without grumbling. Now, I don't know, I, I, I like inviting people into my house, but oftentimes I invite them with grumbling, right? Oh, I've got to do this. Oh, we have all these other things to do. Oh, they might, you know, wear their shoes in my house rather than take them off at the door. Oh, my, my dogs might bark too much. I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not projecting anything from my own personal life or anything like that. But we tend to look at hospitality as this, this nuisance, this burden, this thing I have, to, I have to do to sacrifice myself in so many ways to have this elegant event, Generous disposition towards others. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. In Hebrews, we see a negative command. Do not neglect to show hospitality to whom? 
to strangers. So we had this positive command, show hospitality to everyone without grumbling. We have a negative command, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And so whether you think you have the gift of hospitality or not, you are commanded by the Lord God to have a generous disposition towards others, a willingness to see and uh, liberally respond with kindness. Now, how many of you would describe yourself as generous in, those, in that way? A few. Good, good. God wants all of us to live generously with the, with the people around us. Luke chapter 14. We're going to look at hospitality within the context of a dinner party. Jesus, in this part of Luke, is on his way to Jerusalem. Back in chapter 9, verse 51, it says that Jesus set his mind on Jerusalem, and he's beginning to make this trek recorded in these chapters. And in this chapter in particular, he's invited, as we see in in verse 1 of chapter 14, he's invited on the Sabbath to a dinner party at a ruler of the Pharisees' home. So the bigwigs are there. Everybody's gathered, and Jesus is there. And what's interesting about the context is that it says that the Pharisees had him there because, in verse 1, they were watching him carefully. The Pharisees had been accustomed to watching Jesus. They wanted to keep an eye on him. They wanted to make sure they could uh, keep him corralled in some way, shape, or form. They wanted to wait for him to step out of bounds so they could nail him to the floor. They wanted him dead. They didn't want his influence anymore. So they had gathered him or invited him to this dinner party under the guise of, hey, join our crew. But instead, they're actually watching to see what he would do. Jesus heals a man in the first six verses, not the passage we're going to look at this morning. And as he heals this man on the Sabbath, he confronts them about their inconsistent disposition towards others. They're very nice and kind and loving and extending and warm when they can get something out of it. But they are not so much when it's just a sacrifice on their part. And Jesus draws that inconsistency out of them through that original or initial miracle. We're going to pick up, though, in verse 7 as we carry on in this passage. Look with me at chapter 14 of the Gospel of Luke, starting in verse 7. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And he said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man once gave a banquet, a great banquet, and he invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, Come, 
for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported all these things to the master. The master of the house became angry. He said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done and there's still room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways, the hedges and compel people to come that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. When we're reading the Bible, particularly the Gospels, we're doing multiple things in our minds. We're, we're listening to the teaching of Jesus, obviously, because it's truth. We're also watching the way he responds and the way that he acts and interacts with the people around him because he's a model for us, right? So we're modeling our lives after him because we want to be like Christ, and we're thinking like him because we're listening to his teaching and we're conforming our thoughts to his thoughts. So with that filter, I want to just kind of drop down on this Situation because all of these three take place at the di same dinner party, and I want to chew on a couple things together. The first section is about the guests in particular. So in verses 7 to 11, he's talking about, uh, he's giving a lesson or he's giving a challenge to the guests. And in each of these portions, there is a, a statement, there's a response by Jesus in some form of, form of a parable or a teaching, and then all three of them end with a for statement. If you've been in Bible study with me before, you know that I love the word for, and in my Bible, I use a digital one. I will put in big caps, dark bold, every word for, because I, to me, in my mind, it's, it's connecting a reason or it's giving a conclusion of some sort. But each of these sections ends with a for statement that we're going to come back to at the end of our time together this morning. But this first section is to the guests. It's interesting. It says, now Jesus told a parable to those who were invited what? When he noticed. So, whereas he was invited to this party so that the Pharisees could watch him, now the watched, watched is now the watcher, right? Jesus is noticing what they're doing, and it seems like he's noticing how they're kind of jockeying for position in a room. You know, it's kind of like when you blow past the people that have been waiting in that left turn signal because you want to get in the front because that's where you, you deserve to be, Right? Yes, we see you, and yes, we loathe you. <laughs> but Jesus is noticing how the Pharisees are kind of, they're jockeying for position. They want to get the best seats in the house. They want to be right in the place of honor because they're trying to take honor to themselves. And Jesus says to them when he notices this, when you come to a party, don't mosey your way on into the front row and sit down in the best possible seat. But really what he's saying is, in your heart of hearts, when you walk into a room, don't assume you are the best person in the room. Don't walk in as if you are a gift to all of those who are there. Come in as if you are just a guy, just a gal. You're just somebody in the space, and you're coming as a guest to sit down and enjoy time. It's a heart issue for Jesus, that we ought not to presume upon our position. We ought not to take more than what we really have. It's not that we should think less of ourselves, but that we certainly should not think much, much more of ourselves. The problem with the Pharisees in so many different contexts, including this one, 
is that they came in with an attitude that said, okay, I am pretty much the best. You are very proper to give me praise because I am, after all, rule of the Pharisee. We ought not to have that attitude, that spirit in us. We ought to rather have a heart that is generously are generously disposed to other people, that we come in with a, a spirit to give, a spirit to sacrifice, a spirit to look for opportunities to lessen ourselves for the sake of others. The Pharisees were an anti-example for us. It's not the first time Jesus has made this statement to the Pharisees back in Luke chapter 11. He says, woe to you Pharisees because you like the places of honor and you love the praise that you get in public. The Pharisees were the ones that would walk around and just kind of wait for people to shower them with praise. Are you one of those people? Just kind of walk into wherever you are and just you're assuming that it's coming, you're just waiting for it, or you're trying to put yourself in a position where you can get it. Jesus says the generous person, the person with a generous disposition towards others does not presume upon their position. Little note on here before we go on. That word so that's really interesting because I don't want any of us to think that, well, my job is then, since I want to be here, but I can't get there unless I go here, let me go here so that I will go there. You get the, can you see how somebody could think that from that passage? Well, if I just simply play the low game, then I can get honored when they boost me back up to my proper place. That's just as arrogant and prideful as the rest. And Jesus says, don't even play those games. If you are truly a generous and hospitable person, you will come in in a proper view of yourself, a proper view in your relationship with others, and you will be willing and ready to give kindness with liberality in those moments. That's the challenge to the guests. We're going to come back to that four statement at the end. The second challenge, second section, is uh, a comment that he then makes to the one who invited. Now he's talking about the host. Says so in verse 12 that he said also this to the one who had invited. Maybe Jesus was looking around and kind of seeing the who's who that was in the room. Maybe he was seeing them. Man, this, these are like the top echelon people. These are the people who have like, you know, hordes of camels outside with treasures. These are the people who are able to give back. These are the ones that you want to have strings attached to. These are the ones that can give after they've been invited. And Jesus makes the comment that you ought not to invite, what's the list? Your friends, your relatives, the brothers, your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. Now, similarly to when Jesus says you ought to hate your mother, brother, father, sister, Jesus is not literally saying you should never invite your family to dinner, although some of you should never invite your family to dinner. He is not saying never do that. He is saying stop being so obsessed with the people that can pay you back. Stop only giving preference to those that are able to reward you in return. And turn your attentions towards those that can't. To the blind, to the lame, to the crippled, to the poor. Jesus says you'll be blessed. Why? Because they cannot repay you. Now the first batch may not repay you because they don't want to. This group cannot repay you. And God says, be mindful. Christ says, be mindful of who you're inviting because you don't want a temporary uh, treasure now. You don't want to be repaid in this life alone. Rather, you want to be repaid 
at the resurrection. The lesson we learn from the host as Jesus interacts with him is don't give preference for selfish gain. Now, it's okay to give preference. Again, it's that so that, though. You ought not give preference so that you'll get some reward back. And there are plenty of times we do this, isn't there, aren't there? Where we'll be nice because we know that that niceness will be reciprocated in some way, shape, or form. We're going to give this gift, but we know when our day comes around, they're going to return. We're going to do this deal because we know we're going to get this back afterwards. We need to be careful about that motivation in us, about what is it, what is it the, what's the reason behind our, what, our decision to give. We want to be liberally kind to the point of abundance because we are willing to give of ourselves freely to those that are around us in their moment of need rather than looking for something back in, uh, back in our pockets later. Don't give preference for selfish gain. Jesus, having challenged both those who invi- were invited, excuse me, the guests and then the hosts, some wise guy chi- chimes up in the middle. Now, I'm, I'm kind of chuckling to myself in this because there's always a guy like this in the room. Sorry, it's not a guy. Sometimes it's a woman in the room that will just randomly throw out some hyper-spiritual word of praise and glory. And the whole room's like, what are you saying? He says, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom. I don't know about you. I'm reading that. I'm like, did Jesus mention bread? Did he mention kingdom? Did he mention anything about some meal outside of the meal that they were enjoying? I'm thinking, why would this guy randomly chime in with his blessing? Well, that triggers Jesus into doing something else, but I'm wondering, if you look back several chapters, we're not going to right now, but back in chapter 13, the question is asked of Jesus, how many are going to get into heaven? Are there going to be many or are there going to be few? And he starts talking about strive that you might enter the the kingdom. We know that passage. At the very end of that, though, he speaks about those that will not get into the kingdom. He says, many will eat bread in the kingdom with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The first will be last and the last will be first is the way he ends that, that statement. I wonder if this guy wasn't there. Now, a couple weeks later, he's invited to this party. Jesus is saying similar things now about first, last, last, first. And this guy's thinking, ah, oh, blessed are those that are going to be, they're going to make it through, that they're going to get there. And Jesus turns to this guy instead of responding like, man, great insight, young man. Superb word of wisdom. We really appreciate you adding to the conversation. He starts into this story about those that you would think would come in do not come in because they have so many excuses in their lives. A man offered the story Jesus gives starting in verse 16 as he talks of a man who had this great banquet. And he invites all the people and they're all ready to come. The party's ready and he sends his servant to get them and bring them to the party. And those that had already RSVP'd are now saying, well, you know, it's something come up. I bought a couple ox, you know, oxen, ox, oxen, ox, oxen. I, caught, I bought some animals <laughs> and I need to go see the animals, you know, because I invested in them. And I just want to make sure that, that it's all copacetic. And the next guy says, well, you know, we've we got some other things going on. I went off and got married, so I need to spend some time with my wife. All good things, buying land, buying animals, getting married, super duper good things, but all of them got in the way of them 
responding to this generous gift, this invitation. And how does the inviter respond in the story? He responds by getting angry, and he sends an invitation to whom? Look at it down in verse 21. uh, 21. He says, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and and bring in who? The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. It's very interesting that he comes back right away to the same list. And when he goes out and wants to get people for his party, he goes for those that were, that were uninvited to the first party, the party that they're actually sitting at. I think it's interesting that Jesus brings that back up to light. The servant who is responding to the master's words is a good servant because he already knew that's what the master would say, and he already did that before the master even asked. He said, Master, we've, all, we've done that already, and there's still room. So the master says, go and get everybody you possibly can. The master is demonstrating for us a heart of generosity. He is liberally lavishing abundant kindness upon anybody that he can find. Come to my party. I've got more. I've got more food. I've got more joy. I've got more hospitality. I've got more things to give. So come, come, come. I think that's the spirit that we ought to have. We ought not to be like those who have prioritized lesser things, and that's really the lesson out of this part. We rather ought to be like the one who is ready and willing to give and to give and to give, looking for opportunities to give and to give and to give. Now, where does this all kind of fit into our lives? I see it individually. I see it as in our homes, and I see it in our church. Individually, I think what the Lord would want us to do is have a heart that generally goes through the day looking for opportunities to help. Not looking for opportunities to take, because we're good at that. We're good at taking. We're looking at giving to get. But how often are we practicing the discipline of just giving to give? Looking for opportunities to share. Looking for opportunities to sacrifice. Looking for opportunities to be inconvenienced for the person next to you. How often do you listen in a conversation and just say, man, I've got so many more important things to do right now. You didn't say that out loud, right? Because you would never do that. But in your brain, you're thinking... Oh, man, I'm so busy. I got some things, you know. Give your time just to sit. Have an abundant, liberal willingness to give kindness. I think that's what God is calling us to do as individuals. Wherever you might be, whether it's in the grocery store or you're waiting in line somewhere or you're in your car or you're in the workplace or you're in church or in your family, wherever you are as an individual, foster a heart that has a disposition towards generosity in here. I want to be someone that people know, you know what, Matthew, he's willing. He's willing to give of himself. He's willing to listen. He's willing to to hurt. He's willing to mourn. He's willing to invite. He's he's just willing. I, I want to have that heart. I think that's what God is calling us to do. As a home, there are times that we need to open our doors and embrace people who are hurting. I'm going to use Sam as an example. Sorry, Sam. Friday night, we were at the Sangree's house, grieving, tears, hugs, just uh, emotional chaos. And I come back with uh, the Sangree's youngest son, Hayden, and Sam is standing there. Sam says to some of the young guys, hey, I've got some steaks. Let's go back to my house. Let's grill them up and just enjoy. And, I mean, you talk to a 20-something-year-old about steaks, They're like, yes, we're in. 
hospitality was incredible, where he just pulled people into his home. That's a great example of home hospitality. It doesn't always have to be that way, but do we as, a, as family units think, how can we extend ourselves in inconvenience for the others? How can we give of ourselves in such a way where we can provide a family-like experience for someone who needs a family? That's what hospitality is at that level. And as a church, how does this apply? I wonder at times how accommodating we are for new people, to new people coming. I've been in churches before where you better not sit in somebody's chair because that's where they sit. I had one guy in the church in Ohio that we were in. His place was always, we had a, a single aisle, two pew rows all the way back. 600 people sat in these, in these pews. His seat was right there, second row on the edge of the pew right behind me. And services started. I'm trying to pray and center myself. And I, I feel him walking. He was a large guy. And this was, there was a basement. So I feel the building kind of moving a little bit. And he gets all the way down to the seat. And lo and behold, some scoundrel is sitting in his chair, visitors sitting in his chair, and he literally said, oh, and just, he goes trouncing back out the room, you know, just no, couldn't comprehend some ability to accommodate, right? Now, it may not be a chair, but it may be a ministry. It may be a special role, a special place, a special something you have in the church. It may be a new person that maybe you don't feel comfortable talking to. How are we as a church family accommodating guests? How are we collectively being generous in our disposition towards those that have never been here before? I think this opportunity with the Sangrees is a beautiful picture of how the church is hospitable towards the hurting. It's amazing to see the church family surround them, and we will continue to surround them. But how are we otherwise reaching out just to those that happen upon our place? I think the Lord God would want us to have a generous disposition towards all. What is the spirit that we want here as we kind of wrap this up? We want a spirit of humility. We want to be humble. We don't want to be those that are seeking the first. We want to be seeking the last. Not so that we can get the first, but just so that we can be a humble giver of generosity to others. We need to be patient. That second four statement says, for you will be rewarded at the resurrection. When's the resurrection? It's a bajillion years from now, as far as we can say. What Jesus is saying is you need to give, 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 not so that you can get a reward right now, so that maybe possibly 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road you might get a reward. Now, what kind of deferred investment is that? We need to be humble. We need to be patient. We need to be responsive, not like those that said, well, I really don't want to give right now because I've got a lot going on, or, oh, my schedule's so busy, or, oh, I've just done these big things already. I don't need to do something more. We need to be responsive to what God is doing. Why? Because God wants us to have hearts that are generously predisposed to help and to give and to sacrifice and to love. Let's be a church that is radical in their generosity, particularly in the area of hospitality. And let's see what God can do through us this week. Let's pray. 
Lord God, I thank you that you model for us generosity, that you model for us a willingness to give. You model for us an abundant kindness. You model for us a love that gives and gives and gives. And God, we want to follow that example and give of ourselves to those, those around us. I pray that you would help us in that. I pray, Father, that we would look, that we'd be aware, that we'd be insightful even to the needs of those that are around us and that we would be urged to respond. Not just so that we can get something back, but that you might be honored when your character is reflected in our behavior and our hearts. God, we want you to be honored in us, in our families, and in our church. Pray that you do this great work in us this week. We pray that in Christ's name, amen.